coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. Our society has completely lost the context of sex. Okay, God, sex is wonderful. I, I say, I'm not going to stand here and not tell you don't have sex. I'm just saying, wait till marriage. Sex is fabulous. Yay, God. God created sex. Yay, God. Okay, so, so you, you want to have sex? Great. Get married and have sex. Does marriage uh, still work anymore? Let me listen to my answer. Absolutely 100% of the time. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You can make it in marriage. God made marriage and God never makes anything to fail. Everything that God makes, he makes perfect and he made marriage perfect. And you were made for marriage. The God that made marriage made you for marriage. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage. And you say, well, Jimmy, then how, why are so many people failing in marriage? Because they're not doing it God's way. And I want to I ask and answer questions in this message that are very important. And the first question is, what is wrong with sex before marriage? And I want to answer this on several levels. And let me say, first of all, sex is the covenant seal and sign of marriage. Now, this means just a minute. See, our society has completely lost the context of sex. Okay. God, sex is wonderful. I, I say, I'm not going to stand here and not tell you don't have sex. I'm just saying, wait till marriage. Sex is fabulous. Yay, God. God created sex. Yay, God. Okay, so, so you, you want to have sex? Great. Get married and have sex. But so, listen, in covenant, uh, salvation is a covenant. Our salvation in Jesus is a covenant. And there's a seal of that covenant and a sign of that covenant. The seal is water baptism. When we get saved, water baptism is, it seals the deal. We consummate our salvation by being water baptized. Communion is the covenant sign of salvation, of, of our faith, faith in Christ. And every time we take communion, we're saying, I remember. I remember the commitment I made to you, and I remember what you did for me. Literally, that's what a sign means. I remember, just like the sign of this wedding ring. I remember that there's a person that it belongs to me and I belong to her and she's not with me right now. And so it's a sign. Well, in marriage, when you get married on your wedding night, you have sex. And that seals the deal. And then every time you have sex in marriage, you're saying, I remember the commitment I made to you. There's another reason not to have sex before marriage. Having sex before marriage changes how we feel about each other and weakens the relationship. So Shanti Feldhahn who is a relationship expert, she did a poll with a lot of young people who had had sex before marriage. And she asked them what happened as a result of them having sex before marriage. 70% of the men who had sex before marriage said they could no longer trust their girlfriend. 82% of women who had sex before marriage became deeply insecure in the relationship, saying it caused them to become clingy and emotionally needy. You say, well, why would, why would men uh, become mistrustful with their girlfriend after they had sex? Because if you're easy with me, you're easy. I just got everything you have. I wonder if you're giving it to anybody else. That's a lot of times what men think. Why do women become insecure? Because I just gave you everything I have. Are you still going to like me? What if somebody else comes along? There's no mystery to me anymore. You, you have everything I've got. 
And so it changes the way. When we wait until we get married, it creates trust in men and security in women the way that God wants it to. Sex, here's another reason. Sex before marriage puts us at high risk for sexually transmitted diseases, many of which are incurable and can cause major problems. There are 20 million sexually transmitted diseases caught every year, and half of them are caught by your age. The people from 16 to 24 years old are the most susceptible to sexually transmitted diseases. The only way that you can know that you're going to get married without a sexually transmitted disease is wait to have sex until you're married. And so you can catch diseases. Here's another reason to wait until you're married, and that sex bonds us on the deepest level with another person, and when that bond is broken, it damages us deeply. Now, it's called soul ties. See, a lot of, what, here's, a lot of times we look at sex like this, where I have sex, break up with a person, go have sex with another person, break up with a person, have sex with another. It's inconsequential. It's just fun. It's recreational. We're just having sex, and we're breaking up. Well, here's, here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you, do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Well, sex is not the, the unforgivable sin. But understand this. This is part of the problem. You, you know that song that when a heart breaks, it don't break even? Yeah. You know that. I, I barely know it. I'm old. But... <laughs> So you have sex with a person, you're in a relationship, and you break up, and just inconsequential. This is what's happening to your soul. Every time you get into a relationship and you become one with that person, when you break up, a part of that person comes with you, and a part of you goes with that person. It's extremely consequential. And when you have relationship after relationship, after relationship, you have fear of intimacy, bitterness, cynicism. A lot of times you become very hardened and close your heart off, women included. When we start in relationships, we're very soft-hearted, we're very pure, we have the best of intentions. But every time you have sex with someone and you break up, there's damage occurring on the inside. You've got soul ties. And some people have soul ties to a dozen people or more. And I had a girl in high school that I had sex with. And um, when I got married to Karen, she was constantly in my thoughts. And every time Karen and I have a problem, she was always right there. She, she wasn't there physically. She was just there emotionally. And the devil convinced me, and it was the devil, through all the problems Karen and I had, the devil convinced me that I had made a mistake in marrying Karen. I need to go back to this girl. Well, in reality, we, we you know, Karen was much better than this girl. I had to break a soul tie. And when you have a soul tie with a person that you've had sex with, and you realize you think about them too much, you have funny feelings about them, sometimes you're angry at them, many times you want to go back to them, you're confused about relationships, you can't get focused on a relationship, a lot of that is caused by soul ties. You can break a soul tie, but the way you break a soul tie, first of all, is to recognize the immorality involved. And say, Lord, I should never have had sex with that person. I repent. And God forgives you. God's not a grudge holder. Thank God. So God will forgive you. The second thing that you do is forgive that person. Is you say, God, I forgive them. And I release them from any judgments that I have on them. But listen, 
If you have a soul tie with a person, you do this. I break that soul tie in the name of Jesus Christ. And you break off that relationship. You stop thinking about them. You stop being around them. You get rid of all the mementos of that relationship so that you can go forward and you don't carry that person with you any longer. The, the getting rid of the mementos and breaking off the relationship, that's our part. But God's part is to repair our soul. And when we're breaking soul ties, when we go back and we say, I realize I had all these sexual relationships and I break those soul ties, what happens is this. We're ready to be joined again in a healthy relationship without the damage, without the confusion, without all of this. Because listen, God made us this way where we can join with another person and become one with them. But once we're damaged, how do you join this? You don't. We're not ready for intimacy. We're not ready for relationships. And so sex is consequential. One of the things that our society has done is taken sex to be inconsequential. It's highly consequential. Many people die. And many people's lives are devastated because of, of not really treating sex with the sanctity it deserves. Here's one other issue, and I'm going to get into dating. Sex before marriage can create children, and most men will not marry the woman they impregnate outside of marriage because they wanted fun, not work. And so one of the consequences of, uh, of sex is children having babies. And most men won't marry you once you're pregnant. And then you're going to have a child. And then you have a child, and then you're going to want to get married. And you, whoever marries you is going to have to marry you with that child. And that child is at a disadvantage without a father. And so it's, when you wait, and let me, they're secondary virginity. And secondary virginity just means I made mistakes, God forgive me, but now I'm a virgin again. And I want to wait now until I get married. So if you've made mistakes, you're not condemned. God doesn't condemn any of us. And if you've made mistakes, God will forgive you. But just dedicate yourself now to say, from this point in time until the day that I get married, I'm going to be a virgin and I'm going to prepare myself. And God will bless you for that. Well, let me ask one more question and answer it and I'm done. What's the right way to date? Well, the problem is when you look in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say one syllable about dating. And so the reason is they didn't date. They courted. Well, let me talk about intentional dating, okay? And you can call this dating, courting, anything you want to teach. But let me talk about three, three standards of intentional dating. This, this is what I'm going to encourage you to consider for yourself. Number one about, thing about intentional dating is it honors the families. We're going to honor our parents. We're going to honor God, and we're going to honor our families. And so if I'm dating Karen... See, I never asked for Karen's hand in marriage. I never went to Karen's dad and asked for her hand in marriage. I didn't know you're supposed to. I never heard that before. And he would have said no anyway, but you know, so it probably was good I didn't know. They hated my guts. But the, uh, we're going to honor the families, our families. Number two, it's non-sexual. We're not going to have sex. And it's specifically for the purpose of leading toward marriage. Though it doesn't have to. We, we may end up not getting married. But specifically, this is not recreational dating. We're not just hanging out. This is specifically for the purpose of leading to marriage. Now, let me say something for just a minute. It's good to set parameters on physical affection. You say, well, Jimmy, we don't think we can last out that long. Well, then get married. (laughs) Just get married. Go get your license, find your preacher, get married. Why do you make us hard on yourself? So... So here, here's what you can say. We're going to kiss, but we're not going to French kiss. We're going to hold hands and put our arms around each other. 
But we're not going to fully embrace head on. We're not going to lay down. We're not going to be alone together. We're especially not going to be alone together in the dark. We're going to watch appropriate entertainment. And we're going to wait until our wedding night to have sex. But you have to put parameters on it. But let me, let me just end by saying a few things about dating. Date by faith and not fear. fear. Acting on fear makes your fears come true. Living together. Uh, you know, just, just acting in fear. Put faith in God's word and do marriage God's way and it'll work for you. Acting in faith makes your dreams come true. So date by faith. I, I was on an airplane and a stewardess walked up to me and said, I know who you are. You're that marriage guy on TV. And I said, yeah, I am. And she said, uh, I went through a horrible divorce seven years ago. And she said, as soon as I became single, the other stewardess has said, uh, go out to the strip clubs with us and go out to uh, happy hour and find you a man. And she says, no, I'm not doing that. God's going to bring me the next man I get. And she said, so I told the Lord, I'm not going to compromise myself and I'm not going to sin. You're going to bring me my next husband. And she said, one day I went out and opened my garage door. And she said, and behind my apartment, there's another apartment. And I opened my garage door and this man was standing in his garage. She said, we fell in love. That was my husband. A godly man said, literally, God brought my husband across the alley from me. And she said, I love him. He's the best man I've ever met. And we're deeply in love. Here's what she said. I'm not going to the strip clubs. And I'm not going to the bars to find my husband. God's going to bring me my next husband. She dated by faith and not fear. Number two, date to explore, not to impress. And I want to be my best, but I want to know what you think. We're going to have deep, we're going to have meaningful conversations. And this book will help you to have meaningful conversations. And if you don't agree, you know, when I did pre-marriage counseling, we would, I, I, I did a deal called marriage expectation inventory. And one of the questions was, how many children do you want? One, one guy said six and one girl said two. And I said, well, how many kids are you going to have? And he said, we're having six. And she said, not by me, you're not. <laughs> well, how many of you think that's an important conversation to have before you get married? Okay. But I wanted people to talk. I mean, I had all kinds of crazy answers, you know. And I had this uh, Catholic guy and this girl that went to our church in my office. And I said, well, what church are you going to go to after you get married. And she said, oh, we're going to go here, Pastor Jimmy. He said, I'm Catholic. I'm not going to this church. And I said, well, how are you going to raise your kids? He said, Catholic. She said, no, they broke up in my office. <laughs> they broke up right there. And so these, these kinds of conversations, date to explore, also date non-sexually. Just make, make a decision. If you've made a mistake, God forgives you. Be, be a virgin again, secondary virginity, and make a decision between now and the time I get married. We're not going to be sexual, and we're going to put parameters on our physical affection to make sure that we don't put ourselves in a compromising position and date intentionally. Don't date recreationally. Don't, don't just hang out with a person to hang out with a person and, and be sexual. And if, if I'm not serious about you, I'm going to hang, I'm going to hang around with, with you with other friends around we're just going to be very good friends, but we're not going to be together acting like we're romantic. But if we pair off and if we begin to get serious, the specific reason that I'm dating you is to see if we're compatible because we're going to get married. And if I don't have the intention of getting married, I'm not going to pair off with you and I'm not going to be serious.
Well, this this teaching that you saw today is from Gateway Church, and we we actually did the that group there, the college group that you saw, and we're teaching them about dating and marriage. You know, and as I said, dating isn't addressed in the Bible because in the Bible it was a different culture, and they courted rather than dating. And so, what we're not trying to do is trying to reinvent the wheel and go back to the old days. What we are trying to do is to fix a broken system because right now dating in America is broken. And many people, the way that they're dating is, is breaking their hearts, is, is breaking their bodies. And it's becoming recreational. It's becoming way too sexual. And you're, you're going through relationships that are actually not preparing you for marriage. They're doing the opposite. They're, they're breaking your heart. So the book, The Right One, and also the workbook, Finding the Right One, both address the issue of how to date and marry successfully. And it's for high school, college, singles, divorced people, any age. If you're single wanting to be married, this book is to help to equip you to be married. So, Karen, we actually have some questions from some of our viewers concerning the right one. Mm -hmm. This person says, I see the title of your book is The Right One. Is there really only one woman for me? Believe me, I've been looking. No, there's not just one woman for him. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a real damaging teaching that I believe. For example, there's 7 billion people on the planet right now. And to think that there's only one person out there for me, that's pretty discouraging. What, what if she dies? You know? What, what if she moves? What if somebody else, if one person marries the wrong person, we're all messed up. Mm -hmm. And so, no. The Bible tells us to marry a person of the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells us to marry a believer. Mm -hmm. And that's it. As long as the person's of marrying age and, you know, we, we love each other and we want to get married... God will bless it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in other words, if somebody gets a hold of this and they're already married, and they read it and they think, oh, I married the wrong one. No, you don't want to read this married. <laughs> I mean, this, this is not for married people to read. And you might get some help out of it being married, but th this is for single people mm -hmm. who are looking for a relationship. But no, if you're looking for a person to marry, there are compatible people that you can marry within your circle of relationships or certainly within uh, the realm that you can look at even online. There's one chapter in here on the Ten Commandments of online dating because a lot of people are dating online. And we don't think it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. We just think there's a right way to do it. But I can promise you there's someone around you, uh, you know, within your circle of relationships or geographical region or whatever, that God would bless if you met them and decided that you wanted to get married. Let me, let me read this question, Karen. Okay. Uh, I've made relationships mistakes in the past that have been so painful including being sexual too soon. I feel like damaged goods. How do I not make the same mistakes again? It's a good question. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably uh, very highly that most people, not most, but a lot of people feel this way. Um, you yeah. know, because like you just said, we live in a society that sex is everything. And, um, but you're not damaged goods. You know, in, in, the, you know, in God's eyes, you know, you not only can be forgiven, but, you know, you can even be healed from whatever you've done in the past. And then, you know, just... Ask the Lord just to take what you've done in the past and to remove it. I mean, that's the power of the blood of Christ. I mean, He removes all the things we've done wrong in the past. And, you know, ask Him for the forgiveness and then trust Him for your future. And, you know, make it more about, you know, not what you've done in the past, but what God can do for you in the future, which can be so awesome. And, and then make a decision that I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. And it's not going to be the week before we get married, we're going to have sex. It's not until we're married. And, um, and, you know, and just make that commitment to yourself and the Lord and, 
um, have someone as a friend pray with you and as a, an accountability partner or something. But, you know, it, God can renew anything and make anything new. Yeah, and what we talk about in the book several things. One is fear-based dating. Mm-hmm. A lot of times a, a woman doesn't want to have sex, but she is fearful if she doesn't give him sex that he won't marry her. Then she doesn't want to marry her. Well, but the, but the point is if a man makes mm-hmm. you have sex for him to marry you, he doesn't love you. Mm-hmm, and so if he really loves you, he won't put that pressure on you, and he'll stay around uh, to marry. The other thing we talk about is intentional dating. Mm-hmm. Now, Frank is my co-author on this, Frank Martin, and his daughter uh, is uh, engaged right now, mm-hmm. and they're doing intentional dating, and you're dating to discover. Mm-hmm. You see, a lot of people don't want to bring up any issues that cause any problems for fear that they're going to break up. Mm-hmm. You want to bring those issues up. Mm-hmm. So his daughter and, and her fiancé, they don't go in each other's bedroom. Mm-hmm. They're not places alone together where they might be compromised, and they talk. Mm-hmm. The purpose of their relationship is to talk and to discover each other mm-hmm. and to discover any issues they may need to talk about, and they'll have their first kiss mm-hmm. on their wedding night. Mm-hmm. Their relationship, and he came to Frank. He he included the parents. He came to Frank, asked for permission to date his daughter, and told Frank, "This will be totally non-sexual. I will honor your daughter, and the purpose of us courting is to decide if we're compatible to get married." Some people say, "Well, how do I date him if I don't know that we're compatible?" In groups in a church group or in a group of people, hang out together, go to a coffee shop together, and then just, if you like each other well enough, begin to date more seriously, intentionally date. And intentionally date means you involve the parents, ask for the parents' permission, you involve the family, because there's some accountability here, and there's the blessing. If a person, if you're marrying someone who doesn't care about authority, that's the first red flag, okay? (laughs) I care about your father as your authority at this point, or your mother, I want their blessing on the relationship. And two, it's non-sexual. And three, it's for the purpose of seeing if we're compatible. And as and if we find out we're not compatible, we're not all sexually entangled. Mm-hmm. We haven't compromised ourselves. We can go on to the next relationship and go forward properly. Mm-hmm. So the book and the workbook, the right one, are to help equip you. And there's so much information here to help to equip you to date and marry successfully. So we hope this information is helpful to you. And by the way, we're able to come to you right now because of the support of our dear partners that stand with us financially. The information is there on your screen. Thanks for tuning in today. Watch this information.